certainly like to take the opportunity once again to say thanks for uh, for coming out to uh, Faith Missionary Baptist Church this morning. Uh, we uh, we want to turn our attention uh, to the Word of God. Uh, long as every everyone's hearts uh, free and we're re- and we're uh, and we're at liberty to do that. Uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to take for a lesson reading this morning or scripture reading uh, the 46th division of the Psalms, Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And while you're turning over there, uh, I'll, uh, I'd like to announce my topic for this morning will be the vindicating power of Jesus Christ. The vindicating power of Jesus Christ. Because that's something that all of us, uh, it's kind of innate in human nature, isn't it? And you see this from children at a very early age when, you, uh, when they get caught doing something wrong. And, uh, and you call them out on it. Uh, the first thing they do is they try to defend themselves, don't they? And they try to justify what they were doing, and they try to make, uh, uh, to make it sound like they're, uh, that it's okay and that it's right and that, uh, and that what they were doing is not wrong. And, uh, and so it is something that's ingrained within, uh, within the condition of man to want to, to, want to want to try to, in some way possible, to defend themselves, to justify themselves, they want to be, they want to make themselves and see themselves to be right. But the problem is the ways of man are right in their own eyes, isn't it? That's what the Bible teaches us: the ways of man is are right are, are right in their own eyes. Uh, that's why I'm thankful for the Word of God this morning, because the Word of God teaches us that the ways of God and the thoughts of God are higher than the ways and the thoughts of man. Uh, I was having a conversation with my mom a couple weeks ago, and, and there's a lot of strife in, the, in, in, the, in society today. Uh, there's a lot of strife in society today in the United States, uh, but it's not, just, uh, it's not exclusive to the United States. Uh, it's also in the United Kingdom, uh, it's also throughout Europe. Uh, it's in Australia. Uh, it's in the Western world. The, exi- the anxiety is in the Western world. Uh, you don't see a lot of this anxiety in China. You don't see a lot of it in Russia uh, or in other countries like that uh, because uh, they're, they're not trying to upset their apple cart. <laughs> they're trying to upset the apple cart in the West. And so a lot of people feel the need to try to defend it and defend Western culture and Western society. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be champions. There should be champions. But ultimately, if, if, somebody, if anybody's going to be vindicated in anything they do, it's going to have to be of God. And that's what I would like to try to, try to have us to center our thoughts around this morning as we, get to the, as we start with the 46th Psalm. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we therefore will not will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though though the waters thereof roar and be troubled through the though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. 
She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged, and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I'd like to stop right there. Obviously, it's the end of the chapter. And, uh, and have us to, to, to center our, our minds around the, vindic- the vindicating power of Jesus Christ. Now, we find ourselves oftentimes in a lot of trouble, and this, this psalm uh, is one that we can run to when we find ourselves in that place. We may find ourselves in that place personally. We may find ourselves in that place nationally. Either way, we need to remember that as an individual uh, person, as a saved person of God, that we have a rock that we can run to, a, a refuge. Now, uh, Jesus Christ uh, is, is, that, is, that, is that rock. Now, when I say that rock, I, I don't mean that foundation rock. Now, he is the foundation. There's no other foundation laid except that which is laid, and that being the man Christ Jesus, uh, who was both God and man uh, simultaneously here in the world. Um, but I think more along the lines of Elijah. Right, We're all familiar with the story of Elijah. But I don't want to just go over there and, and pick up on that. I'd like to actually go over to, uh, to the book of Deuteronomy in the 32nd chapter and, and read a couple verses over there. And read a couple verses over there. Uh, and, uh, and we'll see that uh, uh, in, the, in, this, in this chapter, this, 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 is going to be, this refuge is going to be addressed. Uh, and... Uh, in the, in the first verse of the 32nd chapter, it says, Give ear, o, uh, o ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as, rain, as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. And the small rain upon the tender herb as the showers upon the grass. Now, we've certainly had our fair share of rain lately, hadn't we? we as, as it was talked about before, before service, uh, if you want to really do the right job mowing right now, you're probably going to have to do it twice a week. And from that standpoint, we oftentimes think of it as, we can think of it as burdensome, can't we? Uh, we can think of it as, as kind of trying and, oh, it's raining again. But if... If we were growing, if we were growing, now trust me, there's too much rain. You can have too much rain for this too. Um, I don't think we've gotten there. But if we were growing a garden, we would want all the rain we could get, wouldn't we? Because without without the rain falling, the garden's not going to produce. If the if the rain were to shut off 
and drought were to set in, the only thing that that garden would produce would be dust. Because the seed would not bud and break forth from the ground, and then it would not continue to grow, and then eventually it would not, it would not produce any fruit, would it? If, the, if it were to break off entirely dry. We see that in the example of, uh, of, of, uh, of Joseph when he was in Egypt when he had interpreted Pharaoh's dream. He told Pharaoh, he said, okay, uh, here's your vision. Uh, you saw seven fat kind, uh, and then you saw seven lean kind, then you saw seven uh, ears uh, that were full of uh, corn, and then seven ears uh, that were blasted away by the wind. Uh, you're going to have seven years of plenty. You're going to have seven years uh, uh, where, the, where, where, where the ground brings forth plenteously, where the animals uh, uh, are waxed fat because of, because of uh, the abundance, no doubt the abundance of rain, the blessing that was going to become be falling down on them at that time. It was going to be enough to sustain them through the seven drought the seven years of drought but only if you made preparation for it. And that's where Joseph, uh, with the help of God, uh, because he, he understood God. You know he understood God because when his brothers were brought before him, who had, uh, who had treated him very harshly, uh, though I'd say that he kind of had earned a little bit of that, but not to the extent uh, that they went, um, he looked at his brothers and he told them this. He said, "You, what you intended, and I'm going to paraphrase, okay? What you meant for bad, God meant for good." And so, uh, and so, we kind of we got to we got to think about things sometimes in that in that context. But Joseph interprets the dream, and he gives him a he gives him a remedy of how they can make it through the seven years that were uh, that were going to be so. So harsh, uh, a dearth that was going to be so grievous that if he had never done that, if God hadn't sent him to do that, to interpret that dream, it's very possible that none would have survived. Uh, you can study history, and there's been instances where famines have taken place, and scores of the population, uh, scores upon scores of the population, perished. And so, and so we uh, we continue on. He says, because I will name, publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye the greatness unto our God. We do that, don't we? I hope we do that in our lives, ascribe the greatness of God. He says, he is, a, he is the rock. Now, he is the rock. Now, here I want to stop. He is the rock. Now, he is the rock in that, in that he is the foundation of our faith. He is the foundation upon which his church is built, right? When he was talking to Peter, he said, It is upon this rock. And what was the rock? That thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock I will build my tabernacle. I'll build my ecclesia. I'll build my church. Uh, I'll build my assembly of people uh, saved from their sins uh, through the blood that I'm going to pour out at Calvary. Uh, and... Uh, and, and I will grow up a nation uh, uh, that way. And, and he has, down through the generations, grown up a kingdom in that manner. But the 46th Psalm tells us that he's a very present help in a time of trouble. Not a past help, a present help. You see, we always run to a past event. 
and say, Lord, I'm, I need that. He will remind us of a past event to run to him for help in a present time of trouble. Elijah had been so bold that he had killed so many of the prophets of Baal. He killed all the prophets of Baal. And then he had drew the ire of Jezebel. And then this bold man of God turns tail and he runs to a cleft in the rock, didn't he? He ran to a place. Uh, he found a, 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 a pavilion that he could stay in uh, that, uh, uh, that it would provide him refuge. It would shield him from his enemies and give him a place to stay. Uh, and, uh, and the Lord uh, met with him there. Now, I could go over and go into all the details, but I don't want to get bogged down in that. Nevertheless, God sent a few things by, uh, and, and you can look at biblical examples and say, well, that, that, was, that must have been God passing by, uh, but that's where, we get the, the, that's where we get the verse, isn't it? That when God really passed by there, the way he knew it was by the sound of a still, small voice. It wasn't in the whirlwind that God manifested himself. It wasn't in any other way, but it was by still small voice because in a time of anxiety, you know what you need is you need, you need to be calm, don't you? You need a calming voice. And God presented himself to Elijah as a calming voice that day. I don't think we think about it like that very often, but we do. But, but he is our rock. That means he's our refuge that we can run into. And we certainly live in a day of trouble. We look at uh, the world going on around us. And as much as we've said in the past uh, few years that we're living in a day of trouble, we certainly can look at what's going on today and say, Lord, now we're really living in a day of trouble. And, but I want you to understand, and, and I don't want you to make the mistake that some people make. Uh, I don't want you to make this statement. I don't know how much worse it can get, because it can get a lot worse. A lot. But you know what? Regardless, regardless of how bad it can get, God's greater than all of it, isn't he? He's greater than all of it. Now, when those, when those perilous times come upon us, the human nature has two responses, doesn't it? Now, Elijah, Elijah demonstrated the one, didn't he? he? He demonstrated flight when he drew the ire of Jezebel. Now, it's the fight or flight mechanism, right? You remember the day that they came to take uh, uh, the Lord into custody? Uh, Peter demonstrated the fight, ver the fight mentality, didn't he? Or the nature to fight when your attackers show up. He, he drew his sword and he cut off the ear uh, of, uh, I can't remember who it was. I believe it was a servant of the Pharisee or something like that. But he, he smote off his ear. Jesus healed it. <laughs> That's amazing in and of itself. But the fight or flight mechanism, it was on display. It's on display throughout the scriptures. And, and that's what happens when we feel or when we get to a place where we're being accused of being something. We're either going to run away from it or we're going to stand our ground and fight, isn't it? 
But I don't think either one's necessarily what we should do. We should, what we should do is we should find a place where we can be with just the Lord. The go, go into the refuge of, of the, of the Lord and say, Lord, uh, I need some, I need some instruction here. Now, I want to, I want to touch on this for just a minute. So he's the rock. His work is perfect and all of his ways are judgment. A God of truth without, and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Now I want to read to you, uh, for just a moment, I want to read to you the, the definitions. This is from the 1828 version of, of the King James Bible. And it says to vindicate means to defend, to justify, to support, or to maintain as true or correct. That's what it means to vindicate, to be to vindicate someone. That means that they've been defended, they've been justified, uh, or maybe or they've been supported, or they've been shown to be true or shown to be correct. The act of Vindicating, vindicating someone is those exact same qualities, defending and supporting uh, against denial, um, uh, censuring or a charge of impeachment, uh, uh, in pr- or proving someone to be just or true, and def- or defending somebody by force. Uh, if you're vindicated, you've been defended, you've been supported, you're maintained, you've been, you've, you have been proved to be true or proved to be just. So you notice a lot of those a lot of those words that are used in the uh, in the definition of the word vindicate and all the other option uh, all the other ways it's given whether it's past tense vindicated um, whether it's uh, vindicating uh, in the present tense those are all words that we use to describe the Lord, isn't it? He's our defense, isn't he? He's our defense. He's the one that we run to when we're in trouble. And so I want to, I want to, I want to show this. Uh, I want to use a, 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 an example out of the scriptures of of God's people begging for Him when they'll be vindicated. Revelation verse six or chapter six. I'm sorry. Revelation chapter six. And we're going to start in verse 9. It's only going to be two verses. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? We see the, the souls of the martyred saints of God uh, there beneath the altar and uh, uh, below God, uh, beneath the Lord, uh, and they are calling out to Him, How long? How long, Lord, do we have to wait? How long before you vindicate us? How long before we are proven to be right and true uh, before men? That's what they're asking. How long before we're justified, not just in your sight, but in their sight as well? Because we all know how they looked at them. They looked at them as criminals, didn't they? They looked at them as someone that was wrong, and they looked at them as someone who wasn't true. 
and so they're asking, how long, how much longer do we have to wait, Lord? How much longer? We, uh, that can be hard to do, isn't it? We're not, we're not patient by, nat- by nature. We have to learn patience. <laughs> that was a really good look. <laughs> look, I've struggled with patience throughout my life. And, and, and th- I, the thing that helped me the most was actually when I did the lesson over compassion and actually studied patience. What is patience? Most of us, when we hear the word patience, we think that it means to wait. That's not patience. That's Terry. When you think about the word patience, what's really being conveyed through the thought of that word is when something bad's happening to you, you allow it to happen. Jesus was infinitely patient at the cross of Calvary, wasn't he? The fact that he had more patience than anyone that had ever lived was on full display. He allowed them to do things to him that I don't know that any of us would have the strength to do without at least trying in some way to resist and fight back. In the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, uh, Paul writes this. He says in the 17th verse, Recompense no man evil for evil. Recompense no man evil for evil. That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? And, and then down below in the 19th verse, he says, Dearly beloved, avenge, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, what he's saying there is be patient and allow the bad things to happen, but don't but don't try to seek vengeance, right? And don't try to pay them back. You know, that is pervasive in our culture today. When something bad happens to me, I want to pay you back. They rejoice over it. I'd like to use a headline that just happened this week. You had the instance of the uh, the gentleman out in Portland who shot and killed another man. Horrible crime. Shouldn't have happened. Obviously, it shouldn't have happened. It was a hate crime. Every, regardless of what everyone wants to say, every murder is a hate crime. <laughs> it proceeds forth from a position of hatred. Now, they tracked down that man, and the FBI got in a shootout with that man, and that man also died. He got shot, and he died in the shootout. On one of the websites that I, that I go to to follow news, that, man, that man's death was presented like this. Good news. You know what the gospel means? Gospel means good news. 
hey, at the death of the wicked, that's not good news. Good news would have been that he got arrested and he had some time to think about what he did and he had some time to get with the Lord over it and he repented of it and he got saved. That would have been good news. That he died was not good news. You see that we, we live in a society that wants vengeance. It wants retribution. It wants repayment. When something bad happens to us, we've got to do something bad to you. That's not Christian. That's not what it means to be a follower of Christ. I don't think it means you roll over and you're a soft target. As husbands, we're charged to defend our lot with our lives, the, the, that of our wives and our children. I'll do that. If you come after my wife and my children, you're, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a, a rough fight. <laughs> It'll be a fight to the death because that's that's the Bible says, "Love your wives as Christ uh, loved the church and gave His life for it." But recompense no man evil for evil. Provide all things honor, honest in the sight of all, and avenge not yourself. Now, um, I'd like to uh, I'd like to use just a, a couple more verses of scripture here. Now we think about Jesus. Uh, we think about him quite a bit, and uh, and and so uh, we uh, we look at him as this place of refuge. We look at him as this, for those of us that are saved, he's a place of refuge. He should be a place where, when, uh, to use the, uh, the, the old, uh, the, uh, the, the example of, uh, the apostles when they were out on the, uh, on the sea, uh, I believe it was the Sea of Galilee, and the storm rose up against them, and the waves were, uh, beaten against the ship, and they were worried they were gonna die, and Jesus was down in the bottom of the boat. Uh, or no, Jesus wasn't on the boat. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, and they were and it was beating against it, and, and they were just convinced they were going to die. And then off in the distance, they see uh, they see a figure coming toward them, walking on the water, and uh, and they just can't understand what it is. At first, they thought it was a, a an apparition or some kind of ghost. Um, and, and then as it got closer and closer, then they realized that it was the Lord. Um, but they should have known that that was the Lord from the very beginning. The reason they didn't know it's because they were. Uh, they they had separated themselves from him. See, so he sent them off without him. And once they were out of his presence, obviously they were they didn't carry him with him. And so when they saw him, and remember the backdrop of all of that was he had just fed the five thousand, and, and it was actually many more people, more like fifty thousand people that were there. When they when when he finally came up in the boat, or when he got closer to the boat, Peter asked if he could come come to him on the water, and he did. He was reminded, wasn't he, in the midst of that that tempest, that that Jesus is our refuge. He's the place that we can run to. He's the one that gives us calmness 
Uh, he's the one that helps us to endure things that we never thought we could do. Peter, I guarantee you if you had asked Peter before that happened, hey, Peter, can you walk on the water? He probably would have laughed in your face. Uh, like I probably would if you asked me if I could walk on water. Of course I can't. Uh, the only reason he could was by faith in the Lord. Now we say it's because the Lord was present, true, but it was by the faith of the Lord. He reached that hand out and he walked out there to him. You know it was by faith because even while he was holding his hand, he started his his attention got distracted again. He started looking around at the storm instead of instead of focusing on the Lord, and then he started sinking. And then he calls out, "Help me, Lord. Succor me, Lord," which means to give aid. Uh, to, to me, Lord. Jesus shows himself as this, I believe, in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. We go over to the 23rd chapter of Matthew, and in the 36th verse, Jesus says this. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Uh, the destruction of Israel and everything, that, or the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and everything that he had prefaced this with, and then he stops and he, uh, and he looks at Jerusalem. Or, and, and, or he considers Jerusalem. And in the 37th verse, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Now I want to give you two trains of thought around this verse of Scripture. If you're the Lord's child, if you've been regenerated again, born by the Spirit of God, born from above, not by the will of man, uh, nor by the flesh, uh, but by the Word of God, then uh, then you're His child. Uh, and when you get in trouble, uh, like a baby chick, you should know where to run to for cover <laughs> and for a defense. They run to the mother chicken not not because uh, not because uh, of any reason other than they're afraid. That's the flight mentality, and it. You notice there's no fight in them. <laughs> there's no fight in a baby chick. They run, don't they, at the first sign of trouble, and they're gathered together under the under the wings of their mother. We should know that as the Lord's children. Should be inherently ingrained in us when we enter, when we encounter trouble, that we that the first place we hit is not a website or not here or not there. The first place we should hit is our knees, and we should start pouring our heart out to the Lord and and begging Him to take to protect us and to take care of us, because He can do it better than we can. We may think we can do it, but He can do it much better than we can. Uh, a second train of thought is this. If, if there's a person that's lost and they haven't been saved, obviously by the virtue of being lost, just the same as, as God is, uh, as He is that chicken that would let His chicks run to Him, uh, He wants you to do the same thing. His, his will is not that any should perish, but that all would come to the, come to repentance. That all would come to the knowledge of the truth. That, uh, and that, and that's the fact that there is abject truth. Why is there so much strife in the world today? Because we don't want to admit, we do not want to admit as a society that there is an abject truth. 
The Word of God, the Bible, uh, is abject truth. It gives us the truth by which we should measure everything. If it doesn't square with the Word of God, we need to leave it be. We need, to, we, need to, we need to recognize it for what it is, and that is folly of men, and we need to leave it there and walk away from it. If you're, to, if you're here today and you're lost, uh, Jesus, uh, he will be your refuge as well, but the first thing you have to get straight is you have to become a child of God. Because unlike what the world teaches you, that we're all children of God, the Bible plainly teaches you that we are children of men before we're ever children of God. Because we have to experience the new birth in order to become children of God, in order to be able to have a claim staked to the inheritance that is laid up for us in heaven. And so we see that God is the one who provides all this for us. And so just like he says, as a chick would have gathered, just as I would have, uh, as a mother hen, I would have gathered my, thy children together uh, under my wings. Uh, but you wouldn't do it. See, he, it wasn't his fault. It was theirs. They chose not to. As a result, he says, Behold, your house is left in you desolate, for today, for I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. He separated himself from them. He, he has no part with the wicked. He has no part with the wicked. Uh, I want to I want to touch base on uh, on a, just a couple more things in the 46th Psalm, and and then we're going to close. With another verse, he uh, he he. There's a couple instances where the word "selah" is meant. That means to stop and think about it. So I, I pray we've been been given something to stop and think about. Um, he he describes heaven, um, and he describes God being in the midst of heaven in the fifth verse. Uh, and then, contrary to that, he says the heathen raged. I think we see the heathen raging today, don't we? We've got to be active. We've got to be speaking out as the children of God. Whatever platform we have, it needs to be used. In the ninth verse, he talks about the cessation of war. Now, we know in this world there will never be a cessation of war because sin's present. And there can, no be, no, there can be no cessation of war without without sin being eradicated. We know when that's going to happen, don't we? We know that's going to happen at the last day, at the day when the Lord comes back uh, and with the, with the shout uh, and, with the, and, with the, and with the trumpet of the, of the archangel, he, uh, uh, he, will, uh, he will come back and descend. The dead in Christ will rise first. We were talking about the dead rising out of the ground in Louisiana. <laughs> Hey, if you see that happening and there is no storm happening, it's probably too late. <laughs> don't wait till that don't wait till that point. There's a refuge that we can that can lay lay hold to that will that will give us everything we need. It'll calm us if we allow him to or allow the rock to. Jesus is the rock. Now, he's going to say, 
he's going to say that I'm going to close out with the 10th and the 11th verse. I want to, I want to touch on these. You know, throughout the entirety of my life, I've always been a pretty excitable person. If you ask my wife, she'll vouch for me. <laughs> See, she's shaking her head yes right now. In the 10th verse, one of the hardest things for me to do is given as what we should do when we find ourselves in a day of trouble. Not, not running. And not fighting back. Be still. Terry. You know, one of the things, one of the reasons I believe why we've lost our power in the churches in the day and age we live in is that we've changed. And you may say, well, how have we changed? First and foremost, I would say it's not for the better. I would actually I would actually refer you back to the 12th chapter of the book of Romans when Paul makes a, a request. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. In the second verse, he says, and be not conformed to this world. Most of us, when we come to church, we're thinking about what we're going to do after church. And before we came to church, we were thinking about what we were going to do after church. We really shouldn't be wondering why we don't see the power of God, the Spirit of God manifested in all His power and glory the way it used to, should we? Our primary thought is on what we are going to do after church. You know, that was exactly the mentality of the Jews when they had gotten away from the Lord. Whenever the Sabbath would come around, they lamented the Sabbath. They said, when is this going to be over so that we can go and buy and sell? <laughs> it was a hindrance in their life instead of the blessing it was meant to be. We need to be still. We need to be thankful to be in the present, in the here and now. And if it's troublesome, we need to realize that there's a place where we can go for strength, a place where we can go to seek refuge, a place where we can go and ask the Lord to give us some understanding. Teach us, Lord. Help us to give us the words that we need to speak. He says, be still. Not just be still and know that I am God. Uh, over, in the first, over in 1 Timothy in chapter 6, Paul gives Timothy this uh, charge. He says, I give thee charge 
uh, in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. You remember what happened to him before Pontius Pilate, right? He was crucified, but before he was crucified, he was beaten and spat upon, and uh, and all uh, forms of maliciousness to the point that where he was left unrecognizable when he was hanging on the cross. There was no former comeliness to him. There was nothing about him to be desired when he hung on the cross because there's nothing to be desired about our sin. That be my sin or your sins. He says this, he says that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable. Now that unrebukable means in the sight of men. Meaning that we have kept our conversation, meaning our, our, the way that we've lived our life, we have kept it without spot and that nobody can lay blame. And especially those of us that are called to the ministry, we should live our lives with great fear and trembling. And I say that knowing that I have not always done that perfectly and I readily acknowledge that, uh, but that's not an excuse. Uh, that is the expectation uh, that you live your life without spot and you say, well, I don't know of anything. You don't have to know it. I know it. Now, I'm not saying I've done anything bad. Don't worry about it. I mean, bad, but nothing that will get you kicked out or anything like that. But we've all lost our temper. We've all gotten angry. We've all done things like that. It's a pretty high it's a pretty high standard if you sit and think about it without spot. And if we all sit and think about it, we all would sit and say, well, none of us if we were measured by the standard that we put in our own minds when we hear those words would measure up to that. But that's not the standard that's being held there, is it? The standard is in the sight of men, unrebukable in the sight of men. Remember, that's who it was that couldn't rebuke the Lord, right? Men could not rebuke the Lord. Now, we've got to be, I would say, unrebukable in the sight of God, but I mean, I think we all know there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth right and sinneth not. Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which in times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. The Lord of hosts is with us. Let's remember that. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That's my message. If you're here today and you're lost, you need to seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul, especially if he's dealing with you. If you're here and you're saved, I pray you've been reminded of who we should be running to, of who, our, of who should, we should be taking our petitions to.
Brother, Brother Williams, if you've got a song ready. Disappointment, strife, and discontentment, I cast my every care on the Lord. No man, obsession, pain, or deep depression, I'm staying. 